0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Well, uh, it's an honor to be with you. Every time I show up, things get bigger. For real, Mission Church, every time I show up, things get bigger. I show up, you guys added a service. This screen wasn't here last time. You guys are absolutely killing it, man. So, so honored. And I mean this, I joke around a lot, but I am so honored to be a part of the kingdom of God with you all. And uh, I, I, I do this every time I go and preach somewhere, but I love your pastors. I'm being very serious. I love me some Pastor Tyler and Rachel Johnson. I tell Tyler often he would have been black in another life, I have no doubt. He would have been. He'll just call me out of nowhere. Hey, what's up, baby? I'm like, baby, who you talking to? What's up, Sugarfoot? I love Pastor Tyler and Rachel. I'll tell you what. I had him come preach an encounter a couple of months ago. That's the young adults that the young adult script that my wife and I were seeing. I, he ripped it up something crazy. I mean, like my young adults, they were like, "We want him. We want him." I'm like, "Don't forget, I love you too." You know. It was incredible. You guys are so incredibly blessed with pastors Rachel and and Tyler Johnson. And I think sometimes we can become casual about that, which is supernatural. And there is this supernatural anointing on this place for growth, for expansion, and for God just to see uh, his kingdom come in and through the earth. And whether you know it or not, the church is a people. It's far more than a denomination. It's far more than a name. It is a people. And you are the people of God, like it or not, regardless of your race, your race, your ethnicity, your culture. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, you are a citizen of heaven. And uh, it's just an honor to be fighting the good fight of faith alongside all of you. Amen. Cool. Well, I'm preach preacher like I feel it. And I'm feeling loud for second service. I'm going to lie about it. I come from Pentecostal roots. If you don't know what that is, it's probably a good thing. No, <laughs> no, I come from the Pentecostal church. so I tend to be a little charismatic, get a little bit loud, but I really believe God wants to wants to do something in our time together. You're taking a photo of me. What's up? Hi. Actually, you know, I have a word for you. I, I tend to lean in the prophetic just a little bit. And, and during worship, God gave me a word for you. And, um, and the word is actually Jehovah Elroy. Uh, what Jehovah Elroy means in the original language is the God who sees all, and and I just feel that that you are in a season right now where God more than usual wants to remind it. Wants to remind you that you're seen. And, and the first time we, we see Jehovah El Roy used in the Old Testament is with a woman who feels like she shouldn't be engrafted into the plan of God and her name's Hagar. And basically, she was being abused physically by her master that was Sarai. And she ended up fleeing into the wilderness and felt like she would just die out there. And what God said to her is he revealed himself in a way that he never did up to, up to that point in all of history, he reveals himself as Jehovah El Roy, and it means the God who sees all. And she said these words, and I really believe these words are going to mark your journey um, to come, and, and it's going to mark your journey even now in your present. And, and, and these words, the words she used were this. She said, could it be that I have seen the one who sees me? And I just sense that God wants to remind you, woman of God, that you are seen by God. You are the apple of his eye. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are intricately in his design. And I believe more than ever before, and I mean this prophetically for you, that you're going to see God in a way that you've never seen him by recognizing that you're seen in Jesus' name. I don't know your name, but you take great photos. If you ever want to come work for Encounter, you let me know. All right. Well, I got 31 minutes left. And... uh, so we're going to go into the word of God. Is that okay? Yeah. If it's not, that'd be awkward. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so, um, I actually ended up changing my message. Um, I preached a message in first service called, uh, you wouldn't invite Paul to your barbecue. It went really well. God moved, talked about forgiveness. Uh, this service, I'm giving your media team a hard time. I felt like God put a message on my heart for second service. And so we're going to dive into the word of God together and uh, we're going to have a good time. We really are. Let's start in, a. Let's start in Matthew's gospel. Matthew 9, verse 9. Very brief passage of scripture that holds a lot of power and a lot of context. And this is what it reads. Matthew 9, 9. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew, a.k.a. Levi." Sitting at the tax booth. This is a very, very big deal. Now, to give you guys a little bit of context, um, tax collectors were basically uh, really, really bad people in that society in ancient Jewish culture, because what they were doing at this time was funding the Roman government to continue to rape, berate and oppress the Jewish people. They were basically guys who worked for Rome, which was a pagan 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 society that basically went completely against all the ritualistics, all the traditions and all the belief systems of the Jews. And what they were doing is these Jews, they were buying into Rome's philosophies of money and they were taxing the Jews. And on top of that, taxing the Jews more so that they could get more money for themselves. So these people weren't allowed to worship. These people weren't allowed to be in temple. These were some really, really bad people. The IRS on steroids, as I like to say, just not very kind people. And what Jesus does is he meets Matthew right in. The middle of his dysfunction very big deal has anybody seen the show hoarders does anybody not watch mtv because you're spiritual amen okay there, there's a show called hoarders on mtv right to give you guys a little bit of an illustration and and in this show hoarders uh i, I watched the show with my little brother when i was like 18 or 19 years old which believe it or not was like a decade ago whoa getting up there 28 people keep me in prayer so i was watching this with my brother and there was basically a woman who had like a hundred cats First of all, cats all dogs go to heaven. You know what I mean? So cats, right? She had she had like a hunt, like uh, I would say like this, she had a hundred cats, you know, like a lot of cats. And it was so gross that, <laughs> it was so gross that like the the, the guys, the, the cameramen and the video crew, they were walking in and they're like throwing up and gagging and, and, and like, cause there's like fur balls and feces everywhere. And, and so they're like losing their minds. They're disgusted. And this woman to tripped me out. She's having the time. Of life. She's like, oh, come on in. And she's just holding her cats and walking around like, oh my gosh. And just like not even realizing the dysfunction that she was living in. And in that moment at 18 years old, God spoke to me and told me this phrase, it is possible to be functional in dysfunction. It is possible to function in dysfunction. And right now we see Jesus meeting Matthew at his point of dysfunction. It's what he does. And this is what he says, something very simple. He says, follow me. And Matthew rose and he followed. Okay, another passage of scripture, Luke. Let's go to Luke. (laughs) If you didn't get your Bible reading in this week, here we go. Okay, Luke chapter 18, verse nine. Only gonna read about five verses and we're done. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you this. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want to speak to you all from the the topic this morning, categories. Categories. Will you guys pray with me? Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Quick prayers are the best prayers. It was very easy. Staples. That was easy. Awesome. Now... Okay. Any any guys in here? Where the fellas at? Where my men at? Arr. 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 Ah. <laughs> Whatever sounds with make. Okay. Okay. So now I can't speak for every man. I can't speak for every man, but there is a point usually in a young man's life. Usually, okay. Again, usually, there's a point in a young man's life where he gets slapped by a woman for the first time. Okay. Usually. Usually. Okay. Has anybody, any guys been slapped by a a girl? Maybe it's just my life. Okay. So uh, (laughs) this could just be me. Now there, there, there was a moment where I was a freshman in high school and and I was dating. And by dating very, very, very casually seeing a young lady whose name was Kanika Lockett, Kanika Lockett. I called her CC as her nickname. And we started dating when I was a freshman in high school. We had a great relationship that seemed like we were flourishing, but two weeks in, I just knew it wasn't for me. And so, and so long story short, I, I ended up breaking up with her and, and she got a little bit frustrated. I'm like, nah, girl, it's cool. We're going to be okay. You know, and then we ended up kind of, there was some tension for a few weeks where she was getting really mad at me. and And there was this moment again, I was a very big personality and still am. Praise God. And uh, and long story short, there was this moment where we were in the quad, and it was at the end of school, and I'll never forget it. It's Santiago High School in Corona, California. Shout out to the IE. We were arguing. Whoa, any IE people in here? Wow, where? Oh, what part? Oh, Colton. Hey, yeah, Rival High School. Okay. So, we ended up we ended up getting in this fight, and we got in this argument, and and, and and I said something. I don't remember what I said, but I remember I got the reaction that I wanted. I said something to everybody who was like, oh, and got really excited, and I turned around. I'll never forget. I turned around. I was like, yeah, boys, what's up, man? We out here holding it down. And out of nowhere, the first thing she did is she flicked me. Boom! Flicked me in the back of my ear. And as I turned, just. <laughs> and I thought. Again, they shouted loud for me, but when I got sat there, everybody was like, ah, like the whole campus just absolutely lost it and went crazy. Now, fast forward to the weekend. Fast forward to the weekend a few days after. I end up going to my good friend's party, invites me over, and I end up getting dropped off at his house by my mom. And I walk in and I'm hugging everybody, and I'm shaking everybody's hand. And out of nowhere, I look up and Cece's at the party. I remember getting overwhelmingly frustrated. I was like, why is she here? And I looked at my boy, I was like, I don't even know you anymore i up walking up to my dude, and I was like, hey, bro. I was like, why did you invite her to the party? He's like, man, she's cool. I was like, she slapped me, bro. <laughs> and we ended up having a little bit of a discussion, and, and it was a moment for me where, where in my youth, I got very, very, very frustrated that somebody was at the party that I didn't want at the party. Now, now, when you, when you read the, the, the New Testament, specifically in Luke chapter 15, you see these three stories. There's a story of three things being lost. Jesus says it under the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. There's a story of a, a, a lost coin, right? And it's really not much. It's about a penny's worth. This woman has 10 coins. She loses a penny. And what she does is she tears up her house, you know, completely until she finds the penny. Kind of doesn't seem like a very big deal. But as soon as she finds it, she brings the pennies together. She invites her friend over and she throws a party. Now, I don't know if that necessarily seems like something you would do that doesn't seem valuable, but we see Jesus operating under the kingdom of heaven, placing value on things that we don't as much. And the second story is a parable of a sheep. There's a shepherd he has 100 sheep, one leaves the fold and what Jesus does is he leaves the 99, goes after the one and brings him back and what they do is they throw a party. Now to me honestly, if I'm being honest, if I have a 100 sheep and one leaves, 99 is kind of a 100 to me. You know what I mean? Is anybody else like that? Like if someone's like, "How many people did you have a service?" and we counted 99, i would be like, "100. or are 100 people there." You know, like like that's kind of how I work to be honest with you. Um And so, again, I don't know why he puts so much emphasis on on this one sheep, but we see Jesus placing emphasis on things that we don't. And so we see the coin, then we see the sheep. Then the third story is the story of a prodigal. It's the story of two sons, actually. We focus on one more than the other, but it's of two sons. Both are lost. And we see this story where, where, where one son walks up to Jesus and basically says, Zoom, I wish you were dead. Woo! Nope, that's not what Jesus does. What Jesus does, actually, is the father looks at his son and says, "Okay, you wish I were dead and you want your inheritance. Hey, I'm going to divide it up. I'm going to give it to you. And what the son does, he goes out into Vegas, prostitution, sex trafficking, everything worse that you can imagine. He's doing it. He's involved in it. And at some point, the season changes and he realizes that he's a sinner and he realizes that he's not doing what he should be doing. The Bible says it like this. He came to his senses. And suddenly he realizes, man, I'm not acting like a son, but I'm no longer worthy to be a son because he thought that he was a son because of his worth, not because of his birth. And so what he says is he comes up with this great speech. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to my daddy. I'm going to give him a speech. I'm going to tell my dad I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against him. And so he walks up to his dad, and as he's on the path, the father, it's as if he's looking. He sees him coming. He runs towards the son. He throws his arms around him. The son tries to give a speech. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you, dad. I've been messing up. And the father looks at him, and he doesn't even respond to his speech. He's like, ooh, these these clothes are dirty. Here, take a robe. Let me remind you your royalty. Take a ring. Let me remind you pieces wherever you go. Take these shoes. And what he does is, ooh, I love this part. He's like, kill the fattest calf. ribeye, <laughs> Filet mignon. Come on, I know the vegans are in here. <laughs> we, he's like, We're doing prime rib tonight. It's going down. And, and so he throws a party. boom, 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 boom. And the other brother's been working. When the little brother left, the other brother was back here slaving, doing his thing. Working for dad, doing what he should be doing, waking up in the morning, taking care of the land, taking care of the inheritance. And he's walking up after a long day of work, and it's just boop 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 he's like, what is going on here? And when the servants walks up, he's like, hey man, you didn't hear your brother's home. He's like, Oh no. My brother is not only in the party, but the party's been thrown for my brother. And the father comes out. He's like, hey, what are you doing, kid? He's like, you know what, dad? I've been here. I've been working for you. I've been grinding. I've been doing my thing. You never even gave me a goat. But my brother who goes out and squanders your wealth and 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 who takes away from the glory of your name. he throw him his big old party. He never gave me a goat. And the father looks at me and says, son, all that I have is yours. But my son's home. And then this is how the story ends. Amazing. This is how the story ends. Come into the party. We don't know if he goes in. We don't know if he doesn't. But we know that there's a party and people are in the party that you and me probably don't like very much. You know what I mean? No. Like there's sometimes people get invited into this party of Christianity and we think, why are they here? In Matthew chapter 9, we see it on full display, right? Jesus is passing by a man by the name of Matthew. Now, Matthew at this point is using his hands to cheat people, but his hands would later be used to write the holy word of God. Matthew at this point is using his hands to cheat people, but his hands would later be used to heal sick bodies. Matthew at this time is using his hands to literally cheat people. But Jesus knows that later down the line, his hands will be used to bring restoration to humanity, to build the church of Jesus Christ. And what he's doing is he reaches Matthew in his very point of dysfunction. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus is the kind of God where he is in the business of coming to you at the very point of your dysfunction. And he gives you the invitation to leave but he will never force you, because he's a gentleman. A love that is forced is not love at all. He just looks at him and says, let's go. And Matthew has the faith and the belief to respond. Now, at this point, Jesus has some followers. You know, there's some fishermen and stuff like that. And there is no doubt in my mind, based off the context of this time, that they're thinking, wait a minute, Matthew's coming with us? There's no doubt that the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and even the Sahedron, that when they saw this moment documented in the Bible, that when Matthew is literally leaving his post, there is no doubt that they're like, Matthew's on the journey? Are you telling me Kanye West is saved? Like Kanye's with us? Like I ain't saying she a gold digger, Kanye? Like Kanye's on the journey? Have you ever felt like people need to earn their way into the party before they can come in? And sometimes that is the temptation and the tendency for you and I. I want to submit it to you. There are people on the journey and we think that they don't have the right to be here, but let's take it a step further. Why do we feel that way? Why do I have a tendency and a temptation to judge and critique the fact that people are invited into the party of God? People are invited into mission church. People are invited into community. People are invited into forgiveness. People are invited into grace. And people are invited into redemption. Why do I combat that within myself? Because somewhere along the way, I forget. I I forget that I don't deserve to be at the party either. And I also forget that I'm not the one throwing the party. And because I'm not the one throwing the party, I don't choose who gets to come in and who doesn't. God is the door. And the door is open for anybody who would come into the fold and be in community. We clap, but then your ex comes to church. We're clapping now. Had a young lady three years ago. She walked up to me. I'll never forget it. I almost said her name. Gotta respect people. She walked up to me. <laughs> I'll never forget it. She walked up to me after a service. And, and, she, and it was a great service. And she walked up to me. She's like, Pastor Chase, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah, girl, come here. i in the corner. She was like, hey, uh, my ex is here. I was like, that's great. She's like, no. <laughs> She's like, do you know how much healing I needed to go through because of him? Yada, 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 yada. He hurt me. He did this. She needed to go handle that. And I was like. I was like, what do you want me to do? She's like, no, you need to go take care of that. You know what he did? I was like, are you in physical danger? She's like, no. I was like, has he physically harmed you? She's like, no. I was like, look in love, this might suck. I was like, but our doors are always open. And that night he gave his life to Jesus. And three months later he started serving on our worship team. And two months later she left. because she could not handle how far grace goes and invitations go to the party. Now, granted, she found a great church and she's plugged into community, God's good. But, but I think, you know, we clap, we're like, yay. Yeah, everyone, then everyone comes in. We're like, whoa, this is like everyone. <laughs> like, I, God, I know I prayed for everyone, but everyone's here. My mother-in-law's here, Jesus. Water break. (laughs) So everyone, yep. So all people can encounter the love of Jesus through ordinary people. And at times that will make us so uncomfortable. Why? Because we place people in categories. The Jews did. Here's some of their categories right here. This is how they viewed life. There were the holy and the unholy, the clean and the unclean. Worthy, unworthy, good, bad, righteous, sinner, Jew, Gentile, blessed, cursed. They categorize people in their culture. We do the same thing. We do. How do I know? Apple, Android. <laughs> I pray that you're Apple in Jesus' name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go deeper though. Right, left, conservative, liberal. Republican, Democrat. This will get the people going. Obama, Trump. Black lives matter, all lives, lives matter. Kneel during the national anthem, stand during the national anthem. I'll tell you, if we all discuss this, I don't know if we would feel very Christian. I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions on the thing that I just listed. And based off of our opinion on just these seven or eight things that I chose in modern-day culture, I wonder what our perspective would be if we realized, whoa, we're in the same church, serving the same Jesus, loving the same God, and yet our ideals are so incredibly different. Our ideals, our perspectives are so incredibly different. For those who don't know, I'm a black man. (laughs) And based on that, I have ideals. I have views of things and perspectives of things based off what I've experienced in culture and based off what culture has done to me. And because of that, I come to God with my ideals, and he lovingly smashes them and reminds me that I am not my own. Let me give you an example. About six months ago, I was driving in the car home from church with my wife. We were, just got done with our third service. was we going into our fourth that evening. It was a long day, just going down Monterey, going to good old Morgan Hill, get a little bit of food, go back to the church. Hey, for the hood, okay. <laughs> Don't do it to me, bro. Let me somewhere here, okay. We're driving home, and all of a sudden, I I see lights go off behind me. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. End up pulling over, and and the officer gets out of his car, undo my seatbelt, and, and he ends up walking over. And he was like, how does he handle this gun? I didn't get it. I was like, man, what do I do? We're coming out hot. He kind of crept in and looked in. He told me to roll my window down. I rolled it down, and he looks in. And the first thing he says is open in one line. He looks at my wife. He asks her if, he's okay, if she's okay. He says, you okay, ma'am? I wasn't feeling very pastoral in that moment, y'all. I mean, all of a sudden I feel a rage. It's very difficult to explain, go through my body. And my wife's Latina. She's more hood than me. She said, yeah, I'm good, sir. You... I was like, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, license and registration. So I give him my license and registration as he's looking at it. He's like, is this car stolen? And I was like, (laughs) no, my registration's in your hands. He's like, okay, I'll be right back. He goes back to the car. He's gone for like 10 minutes. Becca never saw me racially profiled before. It's happened a couple of times prior to this moment. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, baby, it's cool. Just chill. She's like, no, I ain't going to chill. I was like, chill, girl. It's okay. I was like, it's okay. He comes back. He's like, are there any warrants or misdemeanors out for your arrest? And I was like, boss, you just came from your car. Like, you tell me. He's like, okay, man, have a good day. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why'd you pull me over? No comment. Went back to his car. You can leave. I get home and I am just so angry. Overwhelmingly infuriated, violated. Because I got my ideals. A black man in America. And then my father. That still small voice that has led me since I was 18 years old, it began to call out to me, come here, son. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you because you're going to push me right back into love. No, I don't want to talk to you. After avoiding him for about an hour, I just go in my room and I just sit down and put on a worship instrumental to make things more spiritual. And all of a sudden I start dialoguing with my dad. I'm like, Dad, I'm so angry, That's so violent with like my wife, yada, 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 yada. And all of a sudden, questions start popping in me that, that I don't even have the ability to ask myself. God's like, you think you might have had a bad day today? I'm like, it doesn't matter. I have bad days too, and I love people. <laughs> you think he might have been shot at before, maybe by a man who was black? Oh, stop it, God. You're always asking me these really valid questions. Do you think maybe you, you matched the description of someone they were looking for? Listen, all these questions start jumping into my spirit, but I have my categories. And God's like, I love him. And after about 10 or 15 minutes in his presence, my ideals mean nothing in the presence of my king. Because there's only one category in the kingdom, dead or alive. And his heart is that his sons and daughters would be alive. And, and when I put people in categories, you know where he takes me back to? He takes me back to Calvary. He shows me where he, he humbled himself to the point where he became a man and he took on flesh. And, and it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. And I begin to remember. That the people that he created, the CEO of creation, allowed himself to be taken into the hands of a foreign ruler, a man like Pontius Pilate. And then he took the cat and nine tails and 39 lashes went on his back. A crown of thorns was pressed into his brow. Nails were placed in his hands and in his feet. And he hung on a tree that he created. And with the little suffocating breath that he had, he murmured these words. And all four gospels repeat this phrase. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when I hear that, something happens in my spirit. When I remember that, I'm like, no, God, I'm not a victim, I'm a son. When I remember that, I'm like, no, God, what can man do to me? If you be for me, who can be against me? And in the holiday season, church, your temptation will be to put people in categories. Well, there's my family's this way and this way. She's this way and that way. And God's like, no, no. I love them. And I love you. But God, why? Why do they get to come to the party? Because they belong to me, they're mine. And guess who else is mine? You. I'll tell you what, man, racist people are going to have an issue with heaven. Like, you might as well just get comfortable with the fact that a lot of people are going to be there. (laughs) We are all children of God. Speaking of underscoring, can we have someone come up and play the keys, please? Thank you so much. It makes the, the sermon sound a lot better. As we, as we get ready to conclude, Jesus tells one last parable. One last parable where a man is doing what we are tempted to do sometimes. He's boasting in his righteousness. That's just, that's just such an awkward conversation. God, I pray. Thank you, God, that I pray. Thank you, God, that I fast. Thank you, God, that I read my Bible. Thank you, God, that I tithe. You know, you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Thank you that I, that I, that I, rather than thank you that you, that you, that you, we see this man of unworthy sorts, a tax collector, and he definitely doesn't deserve to be in the temple. It even puts in detail that he's a long way off and he can't even lift his head up to heaven because he knows who he is. And his cry and his prayer is very different. He says, be merciful to me. Mission Church, what a beautiful prayer to pray. Oh, God, be merciful, me. merciful to me, me. I know who I am and I know who you are. I'm so undeserving of this love and this grace. And when you begin to realize that, weird things start happening, like really weird, awkward things. Like you start walking through malls and you start seeing people and you love them. You start watching TV and the man that you used to hate is a man that you just see is confused and you love him. Like really confusing things start happening. You just, you just like... You start loving well and you don't get, you don't major on minor and you don't minor on major. Like the order comes back to where it should when you're like, God, be merciful to me. And when we receive the mercies of God, we'll overflow in the mercies of God horizontally. Last Bible verse, Lamentations chapter 3. The book of lamenting book of lamenting. Why? Because the Israelites were caught up in, in adultery and they were caught up in idolatry. They literally lost the Jewish capital to the Babylonians because of their foolishness. And in, and in Lamentations chapter 3 God shows up in their lamenting in their weeping in their mourning and their grieving and this is what he says to them. He says my mercies are new every morning and my faithfulness is great. Every time you open your eyes and there's a new day, you wake up in the mercies of God. Be merciful to me, you woke up in mercy. Now, if God is that way with me, then maybe he wants me to not only know him, but make me like him by putting people strategically in my path that I will have the God-given opportunity to be to them what God is to me. And that, my friends, is how cities change. That, my friends, is how organizations change. That, my friends, is how communities change. When we understand we will not categorize people But we will love people well so that all may be alive and dead. Though our politics may be different, though our views may be different, more than people of this earth, we are people of heaven. And we have the God-given opportunity to go to the word of God and work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean that we tolerate sin? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we disregard holiness? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we call something sin? Call something that we say that something is sin, isn't sin, that is sin, absolutely not. No, I'm not saying that, please. I've, I've had to have, trust me, today's day and age with my young adults, I've had to have some of the hardest conversations ever. I'm not here to disregard what God has put forth but what I am here to do is appoint them to love and I believe that when they get to know love they'll begin to grow out of what they are organically and intentionally through process and work we have to understand that people who come to our doors they have different experiences that will never understand different backgrounds that will never understand different upbringings that will never understand and in psychology there's something called reparenting what reparenting is is that when someone experiences trauma in their upbringing. The psychologist takes on a reparenting type of format in order to get them to where they need to be. Get them into health. Get them into love. Get them into thinking properly and that's exactly what God our Father does to us. He's like hey I've adopted you which means I've chosen you and since I've chosen you I've made the decision in Jesus name to make sure that you can become who I've created you to be and I want to be your father and I want to parent you and I want to lead you and I want to guide you and just because you've fall short of my glory just because you do what you shouldn't do just because you do wrong does not disqualify you from being my kid and that must be the same for the children as well just because someone is far in their thinking just because someone is far in their theology just because someone is far in their actions it does not disqualify them from being a child of God and I don't know much Mission Church, but as long as Pastor and Tyler allow me, Pastor Tyler and Rachel allow me to come here and talk to you, I will always lovingly remind you that you are loved, accepted, and you're never too far to come home. Ever, we cannot give up on humanity. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.